Hello everyone, we're going to start now. Um, it's really great to have you here. Um, my name is Madison, I'm one of the students at the Hub and we are... Thank you. That's my twin sister in the back, but no matter. Um, we are a chaplaincy in Belfast covering all the higher level education in Queens, in the Met, um, and Stranmilla. So yeah, if you want to talk to us a little bit about that, there's some of us around. We've got lanyards, fancy t-shirts, we'd love to talk to you. But I'm even more excited to introduce Jen from the big house. Um, yeah, give her a big round of applause. And Jen's going to be talking to us about identity and image. So just before we start, I'm going to pray for Jen. So if we'd all like to bow our heads. Uh, yes, Lord, I just thank you for this last day at Summer Madness, Lord. I thank you um, how you've been moving throughout this place throughout the weekend, Lord. Um, pray that you'll be with Jen now as she talks about this very important issue, Lord. Uh, may her words come from you, Lord, and just may we take something away from it and just really get something out of it. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that wonderful prayer and no pressure. Um, I will try and achieve all of those things and I will try and speak into the microphone and make all of this happen. So I am here from the Big House Ireland. So we have been, this is my wonderful colleague Paula, we have been running the coffee shop in the hatch. Who's been in there? Right, who's eaten any of the cookies? Pretty good cookies, right? Yeah, we need... Out of, yeah, well, we'll not get into that now, but that's another story. Um, so, yeah, we're serving the cheapest coffee in Summer Madness at the moment, if you're interested, but maybe not if you're young, you maybe don't. And the best. No, it's totally the best. So I am not here to talk about that, but I am representing the Big House. So we are here. We, our organization exists to let young people know that there is not one day that... You could be going through really difficult stuff that we believe God doesn't see you and doesn't care intimately about what's going on. And we do that in lots of different ways. But I'm not going to talk too much about the big house because I don't want to take away from what we're saying today. If you want to find more information about what we do and how we work, Paul is here and the guys are over in the hatch afterwards. Feel free to come and, and speak to us about how we can support you and any of you who are youth workers as well. I am here to talk about identity and image. And I would love to pick your brains and say, why did you come to this? There's lots of stuff happening right now. Why this? Why now? And I'm really glad that you did come. And I'm hoping, as Madison has prayed, that something that I say is going to just hook in there, that God will give you something to go away with from today. Okay? Now, there's a few males in the audience, and you are very welcome. <laughs> Us girls aren't judging you at all, but I mean, come on in. Um, we're here to talk about what makes us who we are. So that's identity. And what impact do likes and shares? Now, girls, when you hear me saying likes and shares, it's a cringe 40-year, what age am I, 47? 47-year-old's version of referring to uh, what we call validation on social media. So validation are things like likes, shares, the, the hearts you get on Insta, anything like that. That's what I'm referring to, okay? What impact do those have? When you get that on social media or when you don't get it, on who we are and who we become, and what, most importantly, can we learn from Jesus about our true identity and image? But before we do any of that crazy stuff, does anybody recognize this beautiful group? Who is it? Who is it? Guess, right, yeah. I'm quite deaf, actually. Too much loud music when I was your age. This is Guess Who. So quick game of Guess Who with you, okay? So there you go. Who's that? A or B? Who thinks that's Margot Robbie? And who thinks it's Scarlett Johansson? Okay, so actually, I'm just going to ask, hands up for A. There's a few for Margot. Hands up for B. 
overwhelmingly, Dennis, you're cheating. He knows the answer. Abby's just whispered. My daughter and my hubby are down there, and she's whispering the answers. Yes, it is indeed Scarlett Johansson, who I think's fab. Okay, what about this baby? Is that Beyonce or is that Lizzo? So, a, hands up for A. Okay, one Beyonce. Hands up for B. You're, you're, I'm sorry. It is. Can I just point before we actually, before we see the picture of Lizzo today, she's reading a wee book called Richard Scarry's Please and Thank You Colouring Book. And you guys won't know who Richard Scarry is, but Julie knows. One of my favourite American childhood authors. There we go. So this is her now. She's absolutely fabulous. Did anybody get to see her when she was knocking about Northern Ireland? No? No. Dennis, you definitely didn't. So, who's this? Is that Tom Holland, A, or Andrew Garfield, B? Sorry, the light's not winning with us here. Who do you think? Hands up for A for Tom Holland. Okay, hands up for Andrew Garfield. And there he is. I can't remember which one that is. Uh, (laughs) Whatever. I'm 47. He's very good looking, though. Uh, Who's this? Ariana Grande or is it Selena Gomez? Hands up for A. You guys. Hands up for B. Mm. It's actually Ariana, but we we reckon they were quite similar as babies. And then what about this one? So is that Paula, whose face you can't... Paula, you need to stand up and do a twirl now. Is that Paula? Or is that me? Hands up for A. Quite a few people think it's Paula. Hands up for B. It's me. Sorry, Paula. I had a much better photo, but I was not allowed to use it, and I'll not tell you why. Um, Now, this is a verse I want you to just have a nosy at, and I want you to think, especially as we're thinking about identity and image, I want you to think about the second half. So this is from the message, and it's Hebrews. Appreciate your pastoral leaders who gave you the word of God. Take a good look at the way they live and let their faithfulness instruct you as well as their truthfulness. There should be a consistency that runs through us all who are teaching you and leading you. For Jesus doesn't change. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, he's always totally himself. So let's just hang everything we're thinking about on that verse. We're going to come back to it at the end, okay? So a couple of images up there. On the left, you'll see identity with a little thumbnail, because I was talking about your unique identity. And on the right, you'll see these little sunglasses about our image, how we see ourselves. We know that our identity is so much more than how we look. So we know you take someone like Lizzo, right? She's more than how she looks. I think she looks fabulous. She's got an amazing wardrobe dresser person. She's got personality, she's funny, she's got a backstory, and she has a load of talent as well. So there's this part we see when we look at her and we, we encounter her, and there's the part we know about. And then there's a whole load of other stuff that that's another seminar for next year, hopefully, if they ask me. Um, and then there's our self-image. It's much more about whether we're recognizable or not from our baby photos. So some parts of our image we can change. You know, I could, I decided to stop coloring my hair and I went gray, right? I changed that part of me. Some people might decide, oh, I'm looking a bit pale, I'm going to put fake tan on. Some people do lots of things to change their image. But there's a lot of stuff we can't change. And how okay are we all with our self-image? So I had a friend yesterday, <laughs> it was really unhelpful. Um, she's a really, really, really good friend. And she said, Jenny, you're looking very much like your... And I was like, who's she going to say? Your dad. And I was like, 
all right, so he's 77 and he's a man. And I was like, all right, thanks, Tracy. I'll remember that for again. So, you know, I'm, I'm telling you this stuff like, oh, you know, I, I know what I'm talking about. I haven't a clue. I'm still working through my self-image. I'm still, you know, like, thanks, Tracy. I don't want to look like a man. Um, but this is a work in progress for me. As I'm preparing this, this is going into me. So, and hopefully all of you as well. So let's get into identity. I hope you can read that. Identity is who and what you are. This is the Oxford definition. It's a combination of your physical, psychological, interpersonal characteristics that are not the same as any other person. They are absolutely, absolutely unique to you, which is why we've got that wee thumbprint on there. And they're also how you belong. So the group that you've come from, the ethnicity that you've come from, the faith background or not that you've come from. There's loads of stuff in that. And actually the American Psychological Association defines identity this way. A, per a person who has a developed identity. So you guys don't yet, some of you have a developed identity and that's a good thing because you're growing up, your brains are forming. Hands up here, who likes to sleep in? Right, there's not as many adults, well a few adults, but there's mostly you guys. You need to do that because your brain is working so hard, it is growing so much right now. So whenever the adults in your life are like, get out of bed, me, 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 you know, you need actually more rest than we do. We've done our bit, we've done our growing. Your brains are forming all the time, so right here today you're getting permission to sleep in. Maybe not tomorrow, yeah, you're happy about that. So um, I'm gonna repeat this. This is the American psychological definition. A person who's a developed identity will know a sense of continuity or consistency. Does everybody know what those words mean? Continuity, the same. So when something's continuous, it's always the same. Consistency, when someone is being consistent, that means they're behaving the same way, okay? Um, so they'll know a sense of continuity or consistency, the feeling that one is the same person today that they were yesterday, that they were last year, that they're probably going to be in a year's time. So that's a developed identity, a sense of continuity, and it is very important when we think of that verse, okay? Now we're going to look at image. So image is your personal view or your mental picture of yourself, it's your internal dictionary that describes yourself to yourself, right? And there's characteristics in there, and all of us will have different words. So I work as a counselor, and I work with adults and young people, and I'll often ask at the beginning, give me some words to describe yourself. Now, most people your age are like, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe you've got some words, but you just feel a bit like you don't want to say them because it sounds a bit cocky. But you'll have words for yourself, and actually... We're really good at saying the negative words. Oh, I'm too talkative. Oh, I get in people's face a bit much. That's me, I'm actually referring to myself now. Anybody who knows me well enough, those two at the back, they're just like, jeez, Jenny. Um, so we've got words for ourselves. Intelligent, beautiful, ugly, talented, selfish, kind, funny. These self-images that we build up, they build up over time. Every time you look in the mirror, there's another little piece of the puzzle clicking into place about how you see yourself. And they can be positive, giving us confidence in our thoughts and our actions, right? So if we're looking in the mirror and we like this person that we see, we're going to feel positive about ourselves. It makes sense. That's where this image and identity are really connected. But if we're looking in the mirror and someone's just said to us, oh, I don't like your hair. 
I've had people, you know, my hair's super short right now, and I've good friends, they just don't comment on it sometimes. Some people are like, I love it, it's so edgy. And other people are like, and I sometimes look in the mirror and I'm like, I hate my hair. Oh, why'd I get it cut so short, right? And if I'm your age and I don't have the wisdom that I have now, I'm going, that must mean I'm, and I'm starting to see myself more negatively. Does this, are you clocking this? Does this, yeah, a wee bit. If you don't get what I'm saying, please stop me and ask me. So these self-images can be positive and they can also be negative. And I want you to shout out now, anything. Tell me the sorts of things that you think build your identity. There's a few pictures on screen. What builds a person's identity? What sort of stuff? We've talked about some of it. Throw out anything. What do you think? Go for it. Favourite food's a big one. We have an eating club down at the back, and we have some favourite foods. And, yeah, that's part of my identity for sure. Yes? Uh, how they were raised. How they were raised. Do you want to say anything more about that? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you've hit... What's your name? Holly. Holly. Holly's hitting a big one. How we're raised. We're going to come back to that on several occasions in this seminar. How we're raised. Anything else that forms our identity... And there's no right or wrong, well, yeah, go for it. Friends, totally. And by the way, you guys are meant to be hanging out with people your age. Can I just like remind you what COVID did? It forced you back with your parents and all the people you would live with, the adults. And you didn't want to be with them. You want to be with your friends, if you're blessed to have good friends. And suddenly the big grown-ups are saying, no, you need to be with all these old crones over here. Spend time with them. And maybe some of you like that. But actually, you're meant to be out connecting, doing what we're doing at Madness here, right? Anyway, I'm going off topic slightly. There's loads of stuff that makes up our identity. That left one's talking about our unique identity, gender, you know, our ethnicity, all of that stuff. Then the middle one's friends. You've got families, a big one, which Holly mentioned. What school you go to? What's your school like? Is it a grammar school? Is it comprehensive? Is it the sort of school where everybody gets pushed through to go to university and you're on a conveyor belt and you've no choice? Or is it the sort of school that you're out at 16 and you're going to go and you're going to learn to do life another way? Which, by the way, I'm a big fan of. So that's really important. Then your hobbies and your community, it's a big one. And for you guys, there's the music you listen to. There's your gaming communities. There's your online communities. Those are really, really important to you. Okay, those are your tribe oftentimes. This is where you find your people. And your identity gets formed when you find your people. Okay. What about self-image? I'm going to bring up some images on screen. So that's a mom and her daughter. Who's had advice, um, dressing advice from their moms? If you've got a mom. Look at that face over there. She's like, me. Um, yeah, so has, has the advice been helpful? <laughs> no. Okay. Mums are like really super conservative. They want you going up with like shirts to here and like, could you just not wear any skirts and just wear jeans and make yourself look, you know. So mums have yeah, lots of interesting advice. And I guarantee those same mums were looking like Hallions when they were about 20, but never mind. What's going on here? What do you see in that image, girls? You maybe can Can you see it okay? So that's the school changing room. How do you feel about that one in self-image? Is that a happy place for people? No, you're just like, trauma. trauma, right? For the majority of people, 
You've got to take your clothes off. You don't want to do that. People are going to see you. Say no more about that one. There's one. Wow, that's a lot of food you've got in your place. And this person's like, right, okay. We, we were at a family thing recently and really, really gorgeous family member who was in their teens at the time, was really self-conscious about their weight and some other really ill-thinking person just said, are you eating all of that? And I was like, I want to take you and shake you and you're older than me. It was, do you see how these wee comments? So there's another one. That's just the media, what the media does. I'm not even going to speak to that, doesn't deserve words. Words have power. We'll talk a bit more about that. And there's some awesome girl just looking in the mirror, telling herself she's amazing, and she just really likes who she is. So that's what we're aiming for. When we're little, people around us give us messages all the time about how to view ourselves. So if we've got good, positive, wise adults around us who tell us and show us positive and truthful or rational ways of thinking. Does that word rational make sense? So it's balanced. There's truth in it, but it's balanced. Then if we have those people speaking into our lives, we are off to a really good start. I'm not saying everything's perfect, but we're off to a good start. If you've been blessed with those people in your life, then praise God for them. We begin to develop a sensible, balanced view of ourselves and our place in the world. But actually, for most of us, the messages that we get, and as I said about that example from my family, often from well-meaning people like our mom, right? Saying some well-meaning, mm, I think you should really try and lose a few pounds before the holiday. Well-meaning, maybe, but shut up. Just don't say it. We get these little messages that tell us we're not good enough as we are. We need to change. Now, that's not to say, girls, that there are times when we do need to make changes. Maybe we're making bad choices for ourselves. Maybe there's information that we need. Maybe there is something that a wise person needs to come alongside us and speak about. But I'm talking about those wee, those wee comments. You've all had them, right? They're not always from parents. I don't want to criticize everybody's parents. But us parents have a lot to answer for, and so did the generation before us. And you will too, if you ever become parents. We can't help it. We're just like, are you sure? Um, I'm talking about all these messages that come. It could be a teacher, it could be a friend, it could be a friend who's like a horrendous friend and not a friend. These negative messages actually make it harder to learn to see ourselves in a kind or balanced way. And I am telling you now, I do work with adults, and I would say the large part of the adults I work with, myself included, okay, struggle with self-worth. When it all boils down and we all get all the chat out of the way, the thing that is, is the big issue in the room is they don't like who they are. Why do they not like who they are? Because they've just got these messages and they've never done business with these negative messages that say, eh, you're not good enough. And the, the news you're getting from Big House and from Summer Madness is, oh, yes, you are. Just as you are, no change is required. Okay? So, that's all very well and good identity and image, great. And you're like, well, what about the other stuff? Social media. Oh, dear, Gordon. You all right? It would fall on a man. I'm not anti-man at all. But I'm sorry it fell on your head. <laughs> Um, we've thought about identity and self-image. And you know, like 20 years ago, I wouldn't have been talking about this. And I wish you guys lived 20 years before now. 
I really do, because I think things would look different. And we talk about this a lot in Big House. We talk about social media a lot. But do you think social media changes anything when we think about identity and image? So I'm going to ask you a question. And again, just like before, throw out some words, whatever occurs to you. What impact do you think social media can have on a young person's identity and self-image? What do you think it's doing right here? Profile. What do you mean? Totally. So they might change how they look. Is that what you're getting at? What's your name? Sasha. Sasha. Yeah, Sasha. You're right. Their profile. How they present themselves out to the world. Sometimes people use an avatar or they'll actually turn themselves into a little icon or an emoji or something. I'm so not, that's probably not the right word, but whatever. Any other things that we do? Thank you, Sasha. Or we don't do, that social media does to us. Yeah. Totally. Comparison. It is the mother of all comparison. And I guarantee every person in this room, the old fogies in here and the youngest person here, has gone and thought, they're having a better holiday than me. She's got a nicer dinner. This is when you get to your 40s. She's got a nicer dinner than me. I can't, I, I've never been able to bake that. You know, so that's at my level. But for you guys, what sort of things do you see when you're thinking about comparison? What are you noticing? Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. What they look like, what they're wearing. Are they wearing branded stuff? Or do they just like rock charity shops? Maybe I should be doing more of that. Some of that's healthy. But actually so much of this comparison stuff that you're referring to is just not. Because what does it do when we compare ourselves and bring ourselves up to the level of this one and then they bring themselves up to the level... We're turning ourselves into clones. Girls, you're not clones. You are literally, I'm looking around the room and not one of you is like the other. You're beautiful. I'm gonna get all teary. I'm gonna keep going. The impact social media has on you guys, I cannot underestimate it. That's a big word to just tell you that it's huge. Several studies carried out in the United States in 2020, so it's a few years ago now, highlight how a lack of positive feedback, likes and shares, on social media can decrease your feelings of self-worth. We know this happens. And you're hearing it from us in Big House, this happens. So simply put, not getting enough likes and shares on social media can increase your rate of depression and anxiety. And what does that do? Contribute to a cycle of rejection. Now, why do you think it does? When you start getting more anxious and your mood drops, why do you think it contributes to rejection? And older people can chat to this because these are big questions I'm asking you. Why do you think there's a rejection thing going on here? 100%. You know, if, if you're the one that's sort of checking yourself out, doing the comparison, with, sorry, I missed your name, I didn't ask which Ellie mentioned, if, we, if we're sort of doing this comparison game, we're usually ending up feeling worse. And I'll tell you why we do that in a minute. The Child Mind Institute in America says social media affects teenagers' mental health negatively. It limits direct contact with peers, which when I'm talking about your brain developing, you need to develop healthy brains. You need to do what you're doing now and go out there and knock about with your peers. You have to. It's the law, right? 
and there's times you've been told not to, and it's any wonder people are terrified to go to school? Because what are you presented with? A room full of people your age, and you're like, I have no idea what to do with these people, right? So you're still learning how to do this after COVID. Social media also, they find, encourages constant comparison, which we've talked about, which Ellie mentioned, which can lead to low self-esteem, anxiety, depression, poor body image, and loneliness. This is a bleak picture. And I want you to hear it. My generation introduced you to social media. And it's led to a lot of ugly behavior in my generation and the one above, not so much them, but definitely for you guys. It impacts our self-image as we try to mold ourselves to be prettier and more successful and better and me, me, me. All this stuff so we can fit in to be like a little clone, right? Of what it means to be a girl. And our identity, as we become people who concern ourselves with the shallow aspects of what it means to be human, our looks, our abilities, skills, I, just boring stuff. I don't care about that stuff. And, and God doesn't. He cares. But that's not the stuff that concerns him. What concerns him is in here. It says in the Bible, you know, man looks at the outward appearance, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So don't let anyone go around judging you. You've one judge and he knows what he's doing, and we trust him. I could point to a lot of studies, but it's bleak enough. I don't want to make it any more bleak. Really important to mention a couple of things. Us humans are masters at these things, but especially us girls, and even more especially you who are in your teen, your adolescence, your teen years. We're obsessed with focusing on our body image, Due to the influence of the, me the media that we've talked about over decades about how we should look if we're going to be successful. And we're obsessed with negative evidence about ourselves. So you can see over here, there's a wee heart going, brain, look, look over here at all this good stuff in our, in our lives. And the brain's like, uh-uh, I'm over here with this one thing that's really negative, And I'm going to just spend loads of time looking at that. So I'll give you an example. Paul is really good at it worship and stuff and imagine Paula was playing up here right and she played some beautiful worship music and she hit one bum note which by the way I think is lovely when pianists hit a, a, like a wrong note on purpose it really makes me laugh um, but imagine Paula did that and all of you were like that was so amazing amazing great mm -mm. and you were all leaving the door and Paula was there shaking your hand going oh thanks thanks and everyone's like you're so good and then one of you were just like uh, what happened there with that one note who does Paula go home and think about who does she think about? She thinks about that one comment. It's like when you've had a filling. Who's had a filling? Who's had dental work? Just the adults again. Right. N none of the kids. Um, oh, right. Sorry. And anyway, when you do have some work done, or if you've got like a little chip in your tooth or something, what does your tongue do to it? It runs around it. It's like, oh, what's this? That's what our brain does with negative feedback. Okay. And social media only makes it worse because we've talked about comparison, because we've talked about this whole sense of like not feeling good enough. Now, for teenagers, if we get skilled at focusing on this negative evidence that we're good as humans at bringing in, okay, rather than what's true about ourselves, right? So if you get good at focusing on the negative rather than what's actually right and true, and I would add what God says about you, and none of that's challenged, then negative thinking patterns just settle in for life. 
and you become someone that has to work much harder when you get to my age to try and get out of them. You can get out of them, you can, and you, you need help to do that, but it makes it harder. And we're re so we're masters at body, focus on body image, we're masters at collecting in the negative, right? We're all really good, especially in this wee country, very hard on ourselves. If we lived in America, we'd be much better at like, oh, I think I'm pretty good at this and this and this, and we're not so good at like bumming ourselves up here. But we're rubbish at identifying our strengths. We're rubbish at saying, yeah, I, I love to, um, I'm not a great lead singer, but I love to harmonize. Truth, right? I love singing with somebody else and like throwing in a harmony can usually go a wee bit off, actually more, more, more often than not. Um, but we don't focus on our strengths. We're not this wee heart going, look at this stuff. And I'm encouraging you to get better at that. I'm not saying ignore the negative. Just look at it and say, is that true? Is that rational? Is that fair to me? Do I want that? Maybe you need some, maybe there's some truth in there for you. But just take the little bit of truth you need, not the whole thing. The third thing that this self-image thing does, and I wasn't going to include this, and it's a big word, it's an old-fashioned word, but the self-image and the negative collection of evidence. Guys, it's idolatry. Who knows what that means? Hands up if you know what idolatry means, and there's no judgment if you don't. Okay, have you any sense? Yes, perfect. What's your name? Evie. Evie. You know your Bible. Uh, the, second, <laughs> the second commandment is a little number two. It's like a little figure bowed over. Learned that in St. John's, didn't we? Yeah. A little number two bowed over. Thou shalt not worship any other God but me. And when we put ourselves in the frame, even if we're thinking negative thoughts, but we're self-obsessed about the thoughts that we're having about ourselves and our image and uh, all this stuff, we're actually saying, God, could you just step to one side because my stuff is more important than yours? It's idolatry at its very root form. And it means God's rightful place in our lives gets taken over. And, and when that happens, we're in trouble. Okay, we don't want to be in that position. Now, I've got myself in and out of that position loads in life. Everybody here has, because we're human. But we bring it to God and we say, God, I am sorry for, you know, bigging up myself again, for being more of me and less of you, or, yeah, less of you. So just a wee moment for you to think about stuff. That's the idolatry image there, just putting yourself first. Here's a wee image by Banksy. Um, that wee guy's not too happy. So just shout out some of the social media apps that you're using every day. Just yell them out. What are they? Instagram, Instagram TikTok, what else? What? YouTube, what else? Snap, obviously, yes. Anything else is a bit more random? What? Oh? Don't know about that. Let's find out about that. Picnic, right? Visco, yeah. Got that at the back. Be real. I'm on Be Real. Does that like lose its credibility? Because I'm on there, and so is Julie. And um, let's just say members of my family are horrified that we're on there. They're like, really? No, we'll not be back on until you get off. But I like checking up. I'm just nosy. But I've seen me take my B-reel and be like, oh my word, I look horrendous, and I'll take it again. That's not being real. Look at the judgment at the back. That's not being real, right? But I do that. I've done that. I don't do it all the time. And I try to use it for how it's intended to be a bit more gen, a bit more like, who cares? Actually, because most of me doesn't care. If I did, my hair wouldn't look like this. So 
Let's imagine everybody in here today decided radically to delete all of those apps and stay off them, right? I'm not asking you to do anything, but just imagine. How does it make you feel even imagining it? So sit with that thought. You've got to, once you leave the tent, the apps are off your phone. You can't get into them. How does it leave you feeling slash thinking? No, you're not, no. What are you thinking? What would you be thinking? You'd be happy. You want to do it every day. Is there a but? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, remind me your name again. I've forgotten. Iona, sorry, Iona. Yeah, FOMO, right? Is that a big one? Hands up. Who would have FOMO? Pretty much everybody. How will I know? Like, okay, the reason I would get FOMO is because, you know, my hubby runs a church, and I'd be like, what's happening in church? So it wouldn't just be as exciting as probably the FOMO that you guys would have, but there's still stuff going on for all of us. We'd miss stuff. Does it make you feel anxious imagining life without your apps? A wee bit? Yeah? Yeah? Sort of? Does it make anybody think a wee bit like... um, I've just forgot Iona, my word. Um, Does it make you feel a wee bit of relief? So what if I was to do a questionnaire every sort of week... Every month, maybe after a year. How would you be feeling? What would have changed, if anything, do you think? These apps are gone. Huh? You wouldn't feel as self-conscious. Interesting. Okay. What else? Happier? Tell me more about that. Yes. So you would be feeling less self-conscious. Have you looked in the mirror recently? You know, have you, seriously? Have any of you looked in the mirror recently and had some nut job like me beside you saying, do you not see what I see? I get emotional about this stuff, guys, and we get emotional about this because you are made for more than this absolute dirt. Keep going, Jennifer, keep going. So I'm going to get to the crux of it. This word here. I am not suggesting you go out of here and delete your apps. Although if you did, I guarantee, like some of you suggested, your life would look a lot different. The Holy Spirit, however, he might have something else to say. And you know, you've heard some big messages from the front and big top. Don't ignore him. If he's going, and there's something that he wants you to get rid of, at your peril, ignore him. He might be asking you to do something. We're not saying that. It's a radical move. But if Jesus wants you to move in a new and healthier direction, which some of you are owning up and saying, I think it'll be better. It was when we were kids. Trust me, we had a version of it, but it was different. But if he's wanting you to move in a healthier direction by getting rid of the things that take his place when we talked about idolatry there, then pay attention, pay close attention. Jesus doesn't mince his words on this. Like, You know, everyone's like, oh, Jesus, meek and mild. Jesus was not. He was. But he said, and if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose a part of your body than your whole body and go into hell. Jesus does not mess about with this stuff. So if you find there's something getting in your way and getting taken center stage rather than God, we have to do something about it. And Jesus said, It's not half measures here. So actually, there could be a radical movement here. 
from Summer Manus that says, we're not standing for this anymore, we've had it. Now, I know the likelihood of that is probably unlikely because I realise the power this stuff has over us. It is addictive. There are studies showing, and my two boys always roll their eyes at me when I tell them this, there are studies showing that the way we use, especially, someone mentioned TikTok. TikTok's brutal. It's class. Like, I once sat with Abby, my daughter, we had the funniest, like, like an hour just going. She, she filtered all the stuff that she knew was rude and I wouldn't like. And she showed me the funny stuff, like the pandas falling over and stuff. And we laughed for about an hour. So there's a lot of good stuff on there. But actually, it's brutal. You see, if you're watching TikTok before you go to sleep, I guarantee your sleeping pattern is, is messy at best. What it's asking your brain to do is go at 100 miles an hour. It's like you're training for the gym up here when you're on TikTok, there's so much information coming, you're processing it so fast. And what has been shown is the same patterns happening in your brain when this stuff's happening are the same as when you're on heroin. So yeah, it's, heroin's the most, one of the most addictive substances there is. So that's why we would actually find, oh well, it's a nice talk, Jenny, that's a good idea, you know, and the Holy Spirit and stuff, but I'll probably keep maps, do you know, because I know I will, right? But, uh, but I'm, I'm challenged by what I'm saying. I'm challenged to use them differently, set the phone down more. So I want you to think before we finish about your past, your present, and your future. Guys, I know, or girls, I know there's stuff that I've probably said that is maybe a wee bit too close to home. There's stuff that has been hard to hear. There's stuff that's been hard to think about because, you know, I don't know what's going on at home. I don't know what your friendship groups look like. I don't know who here has been bullied, right? But if your past has been built by the experiences of family, good and bad, just like mine has, and if people along the journey have let us down and just that we comment and we haven't been encouraged, then where does that leave us? How's our purpose for life been formed? And if our present right now our current life, our school, our youth group, our interests, the peer pressure that we're under, the online stuff that we engage with, the choices we're making. If those experiences too can be positive, negative, and somewhere in between, right? We've agreed that. We've thought about a global pandemic, what that does to the mix. But if we're putting our strength in those things, then when they go pear-shaped, it's like building your house on a sand dune. And suddenly a tidal wave's coming and that house is not going to stand up. And then there's your future. So a lot of people's identities, their entire identity. You know, Dennis, my hubby's a minister and he will go out to people's houses when they're right at their last days. And some of the things people will say or not say would blow your mind. It's like, did nobody get the memo? There's more to this life. It's heartbreaking. If, you're, if your stuff is on uni and job I'm going to do and like then the partner I'm going to have and the home I want to have and the car I'm going to drive and the holidays I'm going to take and the retirement I want, I want to be cruising, that's, I'm not saying like let's not worry about those things. God cares intimately about those stages and the people you meet and the things you do. He does care. But I'm saying please don't build your life on those or on how you look. It's, it's empty. It's, there's a word vacuous. It's just empty. Because when those things turn wrong and when our health fails us or what if we think that we look nice in the mirror and we, something happens and we become disfigured and we don't look the way we and we're, you know, what, is, what happens to our purpose then? So then we meet this guy. Who's seen The Chosen? Who's anyone watched The Chosen? Yeah. 
More of you should. It's on, isn't it on YouTube? It's got its own channel, hasn't it? It's an app, yeah. It's an app. Don't get rid of that app. Keep the Bible up and the chosen. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. We haven't watched nearly as much of it as, as some people here might have done, but it's absolutely beautiful. And the guy who plays Jesus is just like, yeah, there's something close to what I would imagine. The way he smiles, the way he connects with people, he just is a special actor. So we, let's turn our focus to this guy, Jesus, God's son as a man on earth, the perfect and ultimate role model. The one who had on earth and has today in heaven a totally secure identity and self of himself, sense of himself. And his purpose for us is clear in John 10.10. John 10.10, one of my favorite verses in the Bible says, I have come, this is Jesus speaking, I have come that they may have life and have it in all its fullness. And I have, I talked about this recently, I have a feelings wheel that I will use with young people when they come for counselling. And there's like loads of feelings and there's four quarters of it and then they go into sort of more niche feelings in the feelings wheel. But the four quarters are happiness, sadness, anger and um, fear. So four. Now, happiness, sadness, anger, fear. Which one of those ones do you want to be in? Happiness, yeah. Um, the other three are essential. And sometimes places like this, talks like this, are forcing us into the happy quadrant. Just stay in there. But actually Jesus said, I've come that they would have life and have it in all its fullness. I want you to know what it's like when you're angry. I'm here for when you're angry. I want to be there when you're frightened because I know you're going to be frightened because this world isn't how we want it to be. I want to be there for you when you're happy and life is amazing. Okay, so he wants to give us the whole color scheme. It's like the feelings wheel has all different colors on. It's beautiful. And Jesus like, Jesus ran around all of those emotions when he was here on earth. He was in them all. You don't see him in happiness most of the time. You see him dealing with anger. You see him at points in Gethsemane. I wonder, was he afraid? I think his humanity made him afraid in Gethsemane. And when we think about our identity the way Jesus does, the night before he went to that cross, who does he pour out his heart and soul to? Huh? Yeah. His Father in heaven. That's our Father too when we trust in Jesus. The same one who permits suffering in our lives yet brings peace, endurance, hope, new life, new life, even in the shadows so that one day we're going to join him, guys and girls. And we are not going to know this stuff anymore. These words we've shared. We're not going to know loneliness, disappointment, anxiety, depression, sickness, death. It will be over. He's already done the battle for us. And this is the same Jesus who gives us a new identity when we trust in him. So I'm closing now. You've been so patient and good and listening and trying not to fall asleep. And it's so warm and it's, you're bound to be exhausted. I just want to bring us back. So that's an identity like Jesus. He knew who he'd come from, his father in heaven. He knew who was with him all of the time. And he knew to whom he would return. And in this verse, do you remember that? definition of identity involves a sense of continuity or the feeling that one is the same person today that one was yesterday or last year. We did that at the beginning, right? Let's put that beside it. Jesus is the same yesterday and today 
and forever. It's like the Bible was written about Jesus in a way that matches our modern understanding of what a healthy identity looks like. I mean, you couldn't make this stuff up. The Bible's got there before any of these big brains have. And when it comes to image, so that's identity. When it comes to image, Jesus was and is, according to the Bible, the image of the invisible God. And that's how we've been made. We're made in God's image. So whatever we look like, we look like him. That's a mind blower, by the way, because we all look different. But by God's standards, that's very good. So who are we to argue? So I want you to think about your past, where and who you've come from, whatever that looks like, whether it's messy or tidy. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, God, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. That's where you've come from. He designed you before any of you were here for a purpose. So that actually means it doesn't matter what other people think genuinely. Because he did it. He did the making of you. He put the cells together. He just made you the way you were in that unique, beautiful way. So we don't argue with him because he, he knows what he's doing. And then there's your present. Where are you right now? Who's with you right now? And I don't mean literally sitting beside you, but might be. Who's in your life right now? God's really interested in the right now stuff. But he's told you, you don't need to do any of it alone. And that verse is in Deuteronomy. When Moses was speaking God's words to Joshua before he goes into the promised land, he says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Forsake means he's not going to forget about you. Forsake means I can't be bothered. He, doesn't, he just doesn't do it. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So if you see the picture you put up and you didn't get the likes you wanted, God said, oh, don't worry about that. I'm with you, and I think you're fabulous. That word goes throughout the Bible. And then your future. Where and who are you going to? He really cares about where you're going. He cares about your future with him here in this world, full of purpose, and down the road after your life here is over. That's the bit I get excited about. I think I'm the only person who does. And he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself so that where I am, you will be also. Matthew 28, surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, he who began a good work and you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And then my favorite Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Now, I'm emphasizing my page, I've got all these, I will, I am, he will, he will, in bold. Because I want you to know these are big promises of God. These are not surface likes, shares. These are big foundational promises that he's asking you to go out of this tent and stand on. Okay? So as we finish, what words would you use to describe yourself? Think about them. And if I was to question each one of you before you left this tent and I heard a negative one be like really really is that a word you want to give to yourself can we think of some other ones so I want you to start thinking of your words that are for you that are good words that are true words start liking who you are girls with your unique mix of qualities characteristics inside and out that's how you look but it's also your inner bit really liking yourself 
maybe even loving yourself the way God does. And by the way, know your skills and your strengths, but be aware of your weaknesses and your flaws. Don't forget to bring them to God. It's a bit like when we talked about idolatry. Bring this stuff to him. Repent. Say sorry when you get out of line. When you start slagging somebody off or you put a wee hateful comment on, you know, some site. Because, by the way, your emotional strength is less when you're online. Doing this, if Paul and I were to get into a ding-dong here, we're going to be much nicer to each other in face-to-face time than we would be if we were back behind a screen. We lose our emotional almost regulation, okay? Every time you hear that voice going, you're not good enough. You're just, you're pretty crap generally. I mean, you shouldn't be trying to do this, whatever it is, whatever your wee woodpecker is in your head going, tick, 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 tick. I want you to stand up to it and say enough, no. No, you'll need to do this regularly and it requires discipline. And this is a word I use a lot. It's not discipline like you're bashing yourself over the head with something that, you know, you're not good enough. It's not that discipline, it's gentle. It's discipline that says, I was really rubbish at trying to be kind to myself today. I'm going to be better tomorrow. That's the discipline. You return to it every day. The negative thought comes in. You're going to say, "Uh, uh, uh, not today. I'm going to have something kind to say to myself. Right? I'm loved. I'm beautiful. I'm here for God's good purpose. And that's not going to look like anybody else's in this room. It's a game changer, girls. If you keep tweaking those thoughts... Keep tweaking those thoughts. Keep upping the kindness for yourself. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for the very unique person you have made each of us to be. People who aren't just liked by you on a one-off whim after seeing a really nice selfie when we've done our makeup nice, but we are loved by you. Eternally properly and in a way no human can. Father, help each of us here to live your way like Jesus, knowing our purpose and trusting only in what you say about us. In Jesus' name, amen.